Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Morning, Joe. We are recording today's episode in the morning of Friday, the 24th of September, um, and we actually delayed our recording by a day because we were all ready to record yesterday morning and decided that really, given all the commentary around inflation and, and the outlook for the economy, we, we needed to wait to see whether the MPC, um, the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of England, would ride in to the rescue with some, some great thoughts about how they were going to, to deal with that. Um, I suppose, spoiler alert, we didn't really get a great deal. So what we thought we'd do today is have a look at some of the commentary around what is happening with inflation and the, the, the kind of general economic outlook, um, and then see how the MPC have, have responded um, to, to what's, what's going on. And I think it's fair to say there's quite a big quite a big gap. The other thing we wanted to talk about, um, which we, we should have time for, is um, some insolvency numbers and looking at what's going on with the, the insolvency numbers as we're approaching the, the end of that um, moratorium on being able to enforce debts. Um, in fact, next week, I think, this time next week, mm-hmm. um, potentially that the floodgates open. So Nick, let, let's let's look at what was the what was the commentary in the kind of going into the meeting um, for the MPC. What were the um, experts saying? Well, it's 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 interesting. I mean, this has clearly become the hot topic um, in business commentary at the moment. And when you see what's going on, um, you can really understand that. Let's go back to um, Tuesday. Um, sorry, let's go back to last Friday mm-hmm. when uh, the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, NISA, posted a blog um, which predicted that UK inflation um, could hit 5% in early 2022 and was likely to remain above the 2% target for at least two years from now. Wow. But, you know, which is which in itself, I, I think that's the 5% is pretty much in line with what most economists are now thinking, mm-hmm. apart, apparently apart from, from the Bank of England. England. Apart from the Bank of England. Um, but, but what was interesting about the blog was not so much the numbers, but the messaging. And it was a pretty bold condemnation of the MPC's um, attitude to inflation. And, and whilst they didn't use the same words um, uh, quite, what came to my mind was the Monty Python song about always look on the bright side of life. And... Uh, what the blog calls for is urgent action. Uh, mm. What it says is they need to um, end quantitative easing immediately and, which is much stronger stuff, hike interest rates straight away back to pre-COVID levels. Mm. So from emergency levels where we are now to pre-COVID. And the blog is is full of analysis of the importance of managing inflation expectations um, and, and to stop um, business and consumer confidence being undermined by uncertainty about inflation uncertainty um, and, and the risk that that turns short-term upward price pressure into entrenched mm-hmm. medium and long-term inflation. So, I mean, that was the message from NISA. Um, come Tuesday this week, the OECD waded into the Debate. So they were looking slightly wider than the UK, but commented about us. Um, they warned that the uh, price rises across the G20 economies would remain higher um, than I think most 
central banks would want for at least two years. So yeah. Yeah, that two-year theme is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they predicted that UK inflation would still be running at 3% at the end of next year, 2022. And that was the um, highest rate. They think that will be the highest rate of the G20 um, yes. economies, don't they? So they think the UK will not be able to tame inflation in, in the same way that the US and, and France yeah. No, and 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 uh, that's alongside predictions that inflation would actually fall in the US and France, mm. and, uh, and and in Germany, and and there was a rather sort of sting in the tail uh, comment at the end saying there remained sizable uncertainty about their forecasts, and you can bet that was not on the upside. So that was the second one, and then come um, Wednesday. Uh, there's, there's a very well-respected economist working um, in New York at the moment, uh, Nouriel Roubini, wrote a very interesting opinion piece in The Guardian mm. and, and warning that the uh, current supply chain crisis was likely to fuel a severe dose of stagflation. Now, we and this is what we talked about last week, wasn't it? I remember I we talked about it in the part, I think, when, when Adam Stones joined us, we were talking about stagflation and we've we've talked about it again last week. And, and as a reminder, this is where you have rising inflation, but no economic growth, a kind of stagnant economy. Well, low, I mean, the, low growth would, you know, the sort of 0.1% we had yeah, last month. that we had last month. Um, but, but what he's saying is it'll, it'll be much, uh, and, and because he makes the point that we have effectively had stagflation now for a little while mm. in the UK, UK economy. And he then went on, um, at which point um, even a nerd like me started to uh, nod off, to to go through four scenarios in considerable detail. And in the end, his bet is that we're going into a scenario he calls overheating. And here, growth would accelerate as the supply bottlenecks were cleared, but inflation would remain stubbornly higher because Mm. its causes would turn out not to be temporary. We'll see. We'll, you know, we'll 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 see. I mean, what he's calling for is 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 tighter monetary policy, yeah, fiscal policy. Well, that seems so, to be that seems to be the call across the board, isn't it, for for, for the bank to act um, and, yeah. and and do something on particularly on the the QE um, side of things. And then there was another interesting piece that you mm. picked up from IHS Market. Yes, this is the the um, purchasing managers indexes, which they um, churn out every month and have been doing for best part of 30 years and these are highly respected and they're they're, they're not um absolute statistics they're a measure of of change going on so the index operates on the basis that if if it's at 50 or below the um there is contraction going on if it's 50 and above there's growth going on mm-hmm. and the point is the relative movement between from month to month, month, to month. so uh so the composite index for the UK in September, and these are flash numbers, so they may change, Mm -hmm. um, slipped from 54.8, so above 50, uh, in August, to 54.1 in September, which means that there is still still, uh, expectation of growth, but it's slowing. Yeah, okay. And that's the lowest reading um, at 54.1 since February. Right, okay. When we were still in lockdown. and it confirmed that the slowdown was in both services and in manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So services dropped from 55 to 54.6 um, and manufacturing from 60.3 to 56.3. That's quite a big Ooh, drop. That is quite a big drop. Mm. Um, and they also, um, there's a mass of stuff here. So let's try and just pick a couple more headlines out of it. 
um, they, they produce a thing called an output index, which I suppose is what it says on the tin. That dropped across the economy as a sorry, no, from manufacturing, dropped from mm-hmm. 54.1 to 51.8, another big drop. Yeah. And the other thing we look at is the other end of the pipeline, which is the new order mm-hmm. um, intake. Yeah. And the index there dropped from 55.9 to 53.8. So every single indicator moving in the wrong direction. Down. Um, there was no mention of construction, but I cannot conceive that construction was doing anything except heading in the wrong direction too, mm. given the absolutely endemic um, pr- operational problems that construction has at the moment. But as you said, um, out of all of this, first of all, they they were they predict stagflation. So Join the, you know, they're on the back. Join the queue, yeah. But they they said the implication of their numbers at first blush is that inflation in the UK could peak at 6% next year. Now that's another notch higher on the on the another ratchet up in the in the in the scale. Um they didn't expect it would necessarily go that high, but that was what their numbers were telling them. And I think the implication is they're going to watch that particular yeah, thing I've, I've for, a, that very for carefully. a little while. So that brings us to the MPC. Yeah. So we. So as I said, we we um we decided we'd we'd um we'd postpone our, our our recording until today when we'd had a chance to to look through the um the reports. And it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? <laughs> It's quite. I mean, I feel like lots of this has perhaps been copied and pasted from previous reports. You know, this this notion that there's a you know, monetary policy is always is is quite laggy when it comes to dealing with inflation. So their position really is, well, it's still quite uncertain, and we're looking at the medium term, so we're not going to do anything. Yeah. And I mean, particularly their uncertainty is around employment. And you know, confusion really about the numbers of the furlough scheme. So the furlough scheme, there was still quite a high number of jobs on the um, on furlough, and they were expecting it to to drop quite a lot um, in July. But it's still one point seven million um, in July, and they're, they're struggling really to um, to, to find. Mm-hmm. They they kind of give a few reasons why that that might be: people taking second jobs or. Um, you know, perhaps employers waiting because they think supply will will come on tap again, and they will just bring people back. Um, but there's there's uncertainty um, around there, and and I think you know we've we've heard that from when we've 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 had Bank of England agents do presentations to the the various bodies say that the um, wages and employment is the key thing that they they want to to look at before they act on um, on inflation. Um, but. I, it, I mean, there was a split opinion, I guess, and we've had we've had a few. More, we had a we didn't have unanimous um, mm. opinion of course. Interest rate unanimously held, but the um, that kind of drawing drawing back on the QE um, rate was 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 split, um, and it's frustrating because we don't they don't meet now again until November, yeah. um, and even then they say they may not have enough information in November on what is re- what relates to the to, as far as the jobs are, are concerned. Um, so Nick, what's your what's your kind of reading of of this? Well, um, the phrase that comes to mind is fiddling while Rome burns. <clears throat> now they have, with the most extraordinary um, reluctance and lack of enthusiasm, conceded that inflation here will go above four um, percent, 
and will stay there through Q1 2022. So at least they're beginning to edge towards reality. Mm. And of course, they're saying it's all down to the energy market. You know, don't, don't blame us, Gov. You know, and don't blame the Gov most of all. Yeah, um, quite. It's it's it, it's Putin and his manipulation of uh, of natural gas prices. Hey ho! But they still think that inflation rise it's transitory. They don't mm. see any of this as being um, longer term. You know, in in the face of all the opinions to the contrary, they say there is a case that the case is stronger for some modest tightening of monetary policy. That's a quote from them. But they then go on to say, but no action is needed now to curb prices. And you, you sort of think, yeah, I get that. But I sincerely hope you've got a short fuse plan B, because the more I look at this winter, the uglier it uh, it looks. And if they're not going to meet again until November and won't have the data they really want, um, they actually are hinting in the uh, in the minutes that they probably won't be in a position to take a decision about what to do until the meeting in February mm. next year. That's a long. That's a long time. Oh. That's a long time away. I mean, the the, um, the other interesting thing, you know, on the, the the energy prices. But then there was commentary today on this morning's Today program um, from a from a chap who runs a consultancy advising suppliers into supermarkets. Mm. Um, and you know, he says for the first time really that he can remember when suppliers are going to supermarkets and saying, look, we've we've got to increase prices. Supermarkets say, Yeah, we we know, we can we understand that. And and the prices will now there will be some some absorption of that from the supermarkets and potentially from the, the suppliers themselves. But sure. you know, over the next six to eight weeks, food prices will start rising in in supermarkets. I mean, that's a that's yeah. a given. So, you know, with this and energy prices and everything else, the only the only thing that seems to be happening is that prices are, are rising. And at the same time, their um outlook on GDP has been reined in. So um I think originally we were talking about GDP returning to pre-pandemic levels in Q3. Um, but actually now the Q3 GDP expectation is that it will be two and a half percent below pre-COVID um levels. So yeah, I mean I think I suppose the 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 kind of out Come of the the MPC report is that it didn't really give us the um, the big leadership that we were um, no. perhaps hoping for rather than um, expecting, yeah. um, and so kind of carry on watching this this space. But you know, in the meantime, I think all those other um, indicators that are coming out they're quite they're quite fast moving stats, and so we always mm. express caution about you know taking these numbers. But you know, if, if you're getting that as a, as a pattern that's coming out that, that things are going in the wrong way, I think we should be. Should we be aware of that now? Nick, let's let's talk now about the insolvency um figures that were out for August. August, yes. Um, uh, now we've talked um pre uh, intermittently, if not regularly, about the rent quarter effect. Um, there's been a surge in a surge in March and a surge in June in numbers. I mean, I have to say the numbers are pitifully small, but nonetheless, there was a surge, mm-hmm. and of course, they. But the reason they're pitifully small is because, frankly, um, most creditors are not in a position to inf- in, uh, to enforce insolvency on a on a recalcitrant uh, debtor. Um, nonetheless, um, in August, um, corporate insolvencies went up by broadly speaking twenty two percent on July. So that is not a rent quarter effect. No, that's broken no. the pattern at last. Mm. And uh, they are 71% up on 
August last year, but hey, not much. I mean, I was, my notes on that say that's a kind of headline writer's dream, but actually, let's actually let's means face absolutely it. nothing. And they're back more or less to pre-pandemic levels. But um, let's remember that this is pre-pandemic levels. Pre-pandemic creditors could take action. Yes. This time, this is back to pre-pandemic levels before all of those um, those moratorium have been lifted. So, I, you know, yeah. that is the thing that worries. And there's it's the, the CBLs, as we know. I mean, that's the only way really that that people can um, can go into insolvency are, are up. And, and we've we've said that I think in the past that that you're hearing in your um, circles that increasingly business owners are, are saying we we you know we just can't carry on. We we. We just don't think it's worth. Well, they're, they're waiting. Continuing. You know, it's sort of Damocles because they they mm. they know, you know they don't all have cosy, um, uh, chatty relationships with with creditors. That's not how it works in on, on the ground yeah. in, in in business. And I imagine the patience of some credit managers has long since evaporated. With you know, they understand the problems that their um, their debtors have, but um, you know, it's. It's something that is going to happen. And I just want to throw in here, um, you know, we've got some increase in numbers. We can see that there's going to be a further boost. Sorry, boost is is an unfortunate word, rise, Mm. um, in insolvencies as creditors' hands are untied. Now, um, more of this at some later stage, but just a little flavour here. Um, For my sins, I have been through the entire company watch database and gone looking for my favorite things zombie companies mm. that's companies with you know there are many definitions of what a zombie is but i have a simplistic one that if the balance sheet's negative then there might be a problem yeah um, and, and i went looking for any company in the uk where the balance sheet was negative by more than 20k that's to avoid the de minimis um, things yeah and what did i find 235,000 companies with balance sheets negative by 20k. Mm. It's worth saying these are parent companies, aren't they? These are not, these are you know, we're looking at, only. indeed. You know, so we're not looking at out of a population of 4 million, really. We're looking at a much smaller population that, you know, Absol- a, a parent company right. and so and, mm. and, um, and this excludes um, banks and insurance companies yep. because they structure their balance sheets entirely differently. So we've got 235,000. Out of that 235,000, only 161,000 were zombies a year ago. So that's gone up by 46%. Mm. But the things that the, the numbers that I had to sit down and write out longhand to get my head around is that the total negative net worth of these unfortunate, I mean, they're not all bust and they're not all going to go bust, but a lot of them are eventually. Mm. Um, the total negative net worth of those companies is 340 billion pounds so in theory let's take a scenario if if 10% of them went bust the minimum damage to the creditor community would be 34 billion pounds mm. plus all the co- it would be much more yeah. than that because mm. asset values shrink and and costs go on top they owe to lenders half a trillion. So that is dead lending capacity stuck in companies that are not productive. Mm. Wow. And last of all, the total assets in the balance sheets of these companies is a trillion pounds. 
And that's dead money too. And we know what damage, you know, you, you did some work for The Telegraph, didn't you? I think about this time um, last year, looking at the the damage that zombie companies have on yep. economies and, you know, tying all that 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 kind of asset base in companies that are just never going to do anything with it. Well, well it's interesting. Is, I, I mean, I've just, I've just written and had published um, with the help of colleagues at, um, at Opus, a five and a half thousand word um, look look into the issues with zombie companies, and you're very welcome to have a link to it. Um, if, yeah, if, please do. If that would be interesting. Useful, sure. That's really a philosophical look at yeah. you know how do they how do they happen? Why do they per, uh, persist? What do they do to economies? And what the heck is the answer? Type thing, and, and it looks at the world at the world situation as well as the UK situation. But I just find those numbers compelling because. Uh, bear in mind, those are based on uh, these companies are only just beginning to file accounts that include the impact of the pandemic. We yeah. probably only got a quarter to a half year. Yeah, so what are we looking at? So the December 2020 year ends, the filing deadline will be set, end of September. So September. they'll start coming through, you know, in the next month or so, I guess. So yeah, so so that isn't that isn't the worst picture. Mm. Um, and I will come back, and I will I will do that. We do that again. I think that's definitely worth doing again once once we've got yeah. more more accounts. So that's something for that's weekend reading, Nick. If you can share the um, share the link, we'll make sure this goes out with the um, <laughs> with the I podcast. That will um, that will keep everybody busy over the weekend. Well, as ever, I'm going to draw things to a, a close there. Thank you so much for um, your thoughts and your your commentary and helping us guide through the um, the tricky tricky waters that we're yeah. we're sailing through at the moment. It's a pleasure. Thanks to everybody for for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you.